Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that we live in today. Uh, it's been said many times, mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can be spending our hobby time or our hobby dollars on these days. It, it can lead to a serious case of what the kids call today a, a fear of missing out. Uh, I think FOMO is what they say. Uh, so that's the purpose of this podcast. It's really just to sit down and talk about the, 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 the tabletop games that my guests and I have been enjoying, uh, industry events, and, uh, you know, gatherings where people play the games that we love. Now, if you are an old school fan of uh, when I used to do shows on WWPD, and actually this gentleman predates that even, back before the LRDG was part of Bolt, the Bolt Action Alliance, which was part of BoltAction.net before that. I mean, man, it goes way back. My brother from another mother, the Chuck Norris himself, who rides in on Grimlock, Patchamus Prime, the one, the only, Patch. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Hello, Brad. Man, it is so good to hear that voice. How you been? <laughs> really good, thank you. Really good. Yeah. Now, it's one thing that, I mean, we literally talk, literally talk every single day. Uh, every day. Every day via Messenger. But that's that's one thing. But it's another thing to hear your dulcet tones, my friend. How are you? I think everything's going really well. And you're right. It's really nice to to speak. We should do it more often. Amen. A good Skype date, man. Yeah, yeah. That's but it. then our then our partners here is talking about all our nerdy stuff. Yes, it's much easier to do that via messenger. <laughs> it is. You can hide in the corner while uh, you know you're cooking dinner and like send a yeah, cheeky yeah. couple of lines, as opposed to uh, you know when uh, my wife hears me bellowing through a microphone at the other end of the house, as she occasionally puts it. Hey, Patch. Oh. Uh, guess what? Apparently, I'm loud. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what would be the worst thing? But it'd be like you know. Hey Brad, you know I'm thinking about I'm thinking about purchasing some new Adbeck stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that out loud. No, Actually, I should watch my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Notice <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying anything. Yes, <laughs> mm, there is. Yes, yes, yes. There's actually, um, and I think I sent you one of these uh, earlier today. Uh, for those listening who have been following the show, you know that I've been uh, one of my little pet projects for the last couple of years slash recently uh, in particular has been recreating um, the G.I. Joe toys I had as a kid as 156 scale toy soldiers so I can play, you know, bolt action equivalents with them in other games like 7TV. Um, and there's a wonderful uh, mountain of memes of, um, you know, <laughs> people hiding their G.I. Joe uh, acquisitions from their spouses. Um, so, yes, I, I, I don't have any of those memes saved on my phone right now. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I, will, I, will say, I will say now that, that my son is, is seven, and, um, uh, and I know I'm going to go on a tangent here, Brad. But oh, please I do. Like I was about to ask you about this. Yeah. Um, and I've... I've Got for him a subscription for the Conquest magazine, mm -hmm. which, if anyone's not aware, Games Workshop has brought it out, and every every month or so they send a uh, a magazine out, and it'll have a couple of miniatures attached to it, mm -hmm. and it'll have a how to build those miniatures, and then how to paint 
those miniatures and and then how to play the game and and each episode um has basic concepts which grow upon the previous one and uh and so now i feel like it's a totally legitimate expenditure because my son's right into it and he's teaching me effectively how to play 40k that's awesome and um and he's and he's building all the miniatures and he's Mm -hmm you know, learning how to paint uh, the miniatures, which I'm waiting to get some contrast paints to make it easy for the little fella. Mm-hmm. But um, what it does is it, it sort of justifies the expenditure because now it's a family thing, right? <laughs> you know, it's not just daddy doing it. It's 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 the boys doing it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I can uh, train my dog to paint, uh, th- then I will have a similar excuse. But um, that, I, I have a feeling Jim's not going to go for that one. Now, I okay, I do have to ask because I've heard a lot of people talking about this. And somebody asked um, when I was in Good Games playing on the weekend, somebody was talking about this and said they didn't quite know what it was. Um, the whole conquest uh, magazine line. Now, yeah. is it something that you can get into now? I mean, is it is it mm. one of those things that you can start at the beginning, or if you missed at the beginning, is it too late now, or do you have to go back and buy back issues through eBay? How does that work? Uh, I don't think so. I think what you can do, and and this is what I did, because I came into the subscription, you know, three episodes in, mm-hmm. and there uh, and there was an option there to backdate them. Oh, cool. So, look, I mean, look, it has its place. I mean, if you're an experienced gamer, for example, you know how to play 40K. Mm-hmm. You know how to paint the basics and you know the general law. You're probably not going to get a great deal out of it, to be honest. You know, for the the cost of the subscription, yes, you get some great miniatures out of it, but you could mm-hmm. also get them cheaper off eBay, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What the, the, what the benefit of it is and what the greatest the greatest thing it can offer is for introducing someone brand new into the game system. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and I'll and I'll tell you that as a seven-year-old, if he can, and I, look, I know how to play it, you know what I mean, but I get him to show me how to play it. Yeah. And, and if he can introduce me to all the basic concepts um, and, you know, put miniatures together, um, it's a pretty good deal. And he's got a little folder and he just goes through step-by-step. Step and, you know, for example, on the... The first first little um, game scenario we got to play together. He it was a basic shooting scenario, for example. So he taught he taught me about what ranges are, you know, when it comes to shooting and and what how to how to roll for damage and then how to roll for saves, and then gradually you add movement into it. Maybe in the next uh, magazine, and then you might add, you know, little bits and pieces. Then I think we're up to, you know, squads now. So we've moved from individual miniatures and now we're at squads uh, in about episode six and we're moving squads around this thing and we're shooting and we're, we're close combat, we're, we're doing all that stuff and he can recite all the basic, you know, all the phases of a, of a round within 40K. Um, mm-hmm. It's doing all that and he's thoroughly, he's loving it. Um, and so it's achieved its purpose. Now I'm going to take a left hand tangent to your tangent and then we're going to mm. come back. So uh, bear with me while I get a little wacky here. Um, When I was a kid, one of the first games that I picked up and played was Battletech. Um, And it was, I mean, it was a game of giant robots. And you, I mean, back then they were just cardboard counters. But you put them on the board and you moved them around and you shot one another. And I mean, those rules were not wicked complex for their day. Mm. 
Um, and ironically, they haven't changed a whole lot over time. Um, they've updated them a fair bit. Um, but I recently bought the new Battletech box, the box game, the, the yep. game yep. of armored combat, I think is what they call it. And um, I was rereading the rules and it felt like to a degree it was like going home. Uh, mm. And it was like, it was looking like, God, I remember this. Um, and in certain cases, as I was reading, I was, I was thinking, oh yeah, and then this, 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 and this happened. And as I went down from paragraph to paragraph to paragraph, I was like, oh yeah, crap. I, I actually know all of this. But I haven't read <laughs> this, I mean, literally since 1989, 1990. Mm. Um, but I remember as a kid looking at those rules and being you know, really intimidated. And they were really straightforward yeah. back yeah. then. And, I, you know, my friends and I kind of made it up. And then, you know, we'd play a few games. And then I'd go home and, you know, study the rules again, um, which often involved me staring at the pictures. But, you know, yeah. studied. And then we'd realize we'd done something slightly wrong and we tried to fix it. Or we realized we were basically making up the rules and we had to go back and try it. But, it was this ordeal to learn those mm. rules, and that was not a complex rule set, let alone getting into Car Wars, um, which, you know, these days I look at and go, yeah, that's too complex for me. Yeah. Now, um, to have something like that magazine, where you're getting, as you say, cool toy soldiers in the mail, imagine that as a kid, and mm. getting that, that, that learning to play experience rolled out to you over time with scenarios matching the miniatures that you have because yeah. you, you don't it's not that you need to go out and buy more and convince your parents to buy more in fact it's getting delivered to your house your parents yeah. already paid for it man i would have killed somebody for that kind of thing back in the day mm. this is it, marketing gold it's it, it is really good and it's following that basic concept isn't it of um you know introducing things in small chunks and allowing mm. allowing that knowledge to be cemented through practice before introducing new knowledge um so it's a really really good introduction for mm. a, for a young one and and now my boy he he knows he knows all about 40k man he nice. is all over it he quotes the law to me <laughs> you know he's he, he keeps coming up to me going dad who would win <laughs> typhus or jane czar <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a like, tough one that's a tough oh question man, i don't know what do you think <laughs> oh. um, and so he can name all the units in a death guard army amazing you know i i stuff it up and i'll i'll be going oh i, I just want to move my blight lord terminators dad they're death shroud terminators not blight lord <laughs> sorry buddy got it right yeah <laughs> so look it's all about knowledge for kids isn't it and it is. and do you know what he's doing he's he's able to um, he's able to interact and play with his dad and it's something his dad loves to do. Yeah. So I think we're all winners. Yeah, man, that is so, so cool. Um, mm. Now, you've actually taken this to another level because you've, I mean, Dad of the Year Award, you've, you've gone out and you've actually, not only have you got him these models and you're helping him paint, um, some cases painting with him, sometimes helping him paint, so he's painting <laughs> them, uh, but you've created interactive terrain and scenarios mm. and you i mean the the pictures of the terrain of the games that you play with your son you made for your son so you guys can just yeah. push models around and play games it's better than most events that people play in and it's just <laughs> like it's literally 
just for you and your kid, which is That's right. yeah. amazing. The, the, just the level of, you know, the eye to detail and just the patch seal of approval level <laughs> to well, he's got, that he's is sensational. Got a table. Yeah. He's got a table set up in his room and, and it's like a, a, maybe a three by two table. Mm. It's not a proper game size, of course, but he gets these um, bits of terrain and he sets it all out. And then um, I allow him full access to all my all my armies, um, oh. and, and the caveat is, of course, that he has to take care. Now, mm-hmm. um, I, I completely understand. Like miniatures get, you play with them. Sometimes yeah, they get intent. broken, mm-hmm. and um, we have an agreement that as long as he takes as much care as he possibly can, we accept that there's going to be some fair wear and tear, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know I can fix whatever he breaks. It's no problems. Yeah. Um. So so he gets full access to it. So. Uh, Except for one army, which is Admech, uh, my new Admech army mm-hmm. for 40k. He's not allowed to touch that one because it's just a little bit too um, breakable. Yeah. <laughs> but but out of that, you know, I'll walk into his room and, and he's he's gone and then he's accessed, you know, the entire Eldar army and he set it mm-hmm. out in battle formation on the table and then he's gone and got my Orc army and he set that out and he's put back the, the Death Guard and the Space Marines and, and then all of a sudden I'll see... Um, you know, maybe the the Death Guard the next day, the full full Death Guard army playing the Dark Elves, and he'd be going, "Dad, which one's going to win?" Like, yeah. uh... <laughs> that is so. Cool, <laughs> I don't know, man. mate. You play it out, but yeah. but it's that. Um, I think you know, as a little boy, if if I could have had one wish, it'd be like you know, getting access to that, um, and having yeah. the ultimate the ultimate set of toys on the table, and and the good thing, mate, is that. Look, you know, from a from a parenting point of view, he sees that these toys, um, you know what? Yeah, we've we've purchased them, sure, but but it, but we've spent a lot of time painting them and interacting with them, and mm-hmm. you know, playing with them, and um, and they're there to be used. You know, they're not locked away in a cupboard. Yeah, exactly. um, and as long as he takes care of them, and and he can do what he wants to. Man, that's awesome. Oh, so many. Oh. Are you, I have joked many times online that uh, I wish that you were my dad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't get me wrong. My dad is, you know, something special. My, uh, my wife often says that, um, yeah, my wife's family jokes that my dad's like the teddy bear and he's got the teddy bear gene and he's like the nicest guy ever. And so, uh, don't get me wrong. My dad's amazing. <laughs> but my dad also didn't have all those armies in a figure case for me to play with. So, I'm just... Yeah. Yeah, I uh, talk, but but uh, my my whole thing is, mate. You know how I, I love painting, I love playing, and and why wouldn't I introduce my family to it if they're mm-hmm. if they're interested? Totally. And like I said, miniatures are there to be used, not to be locked away. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I've been working on at the moment. We're uh, we're packing up and moving house, and uh, I've been selling a couple of my armies and a bunch of the the bits and pieces that have just been sitting. And uh, heaven forbid, my my friend, I. It's the end of an era. Um, I know mm. many longtime listeners of this show will know that when, but when we started podcasting about bolt action way back when, uh, the army I talked about all the time, uh, exclusively, and was a running joke was my Germans. I, I literally spent what three years on that army. Um, yeah. Painting the yeah. Gators took me God months uh, by itself. Uh, mm. I did an article and everyone told me I was stupid because I was intricately painting lines, you know, parallel lines yeah. on every gator from freehand. Anyway, I sold that army. So um, it was mm. sitting in a case. 
it was a bit of an albatross. I had a bunch of armies I'd rather play with. I mean, it's it's a top tier army. It has all the tanks and all the bits and pieces. But um, mm. kind of sad to see There's it go. But um, I am glad that it got a good home. And uh, if you are listening to sh- this show and you happen to be in Sydney, uh, as of by the time this goes to air, maybe a week after that, my yeah. Germans will be living in Hall of Heroes permanently. So uh, uh, it's a great, it's a great buy. I think you know it's it's such a good iconic army, and yeah, I'm just glad yeah. I got a good home. Yep, someone will be very happy playing that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's veer back, shall we? Sure. Um, actually, there I'm going to stick to our previous tangent for a sec. <laughs> a little while ago. Um, there was quite the controversy, and maybe it was maybe a year ago. There was quite the conver- controversy because Games Workshop started putting out children's books. Mm. Um, and as a primary school teacher, I was fascinated by this. Um, yeah. The idea that there would be um, <laughs> uh, children running around in the 40K universe and in the Age of Sigmar universe, given how dark and, you know, it's called the grim dark future for a reason. Um, and now there's children reading about children in those environments. Um, has your son picked up any of those books? Have you got those yeah. for him? Yeah, I, I bought him. There, there's two, um, there were two books out and I understand that there's new books coming shortly, but mm. one was basically age of Sigma mm-hmm. and, and one was 40 K and I picked up the 40 K one for him and, um, yeah, he devoured it. He, he's certainly reading at a very good level, probably beyond his age. Mm. Uh, and so it might, I would not necessarily recommend it for a seven year old unless they're reading because it, it does, it is a little complex. I mean, how mm. can you not <laughs> yeah, try exactly. it? You know, um, it's a sci fi book and it's, it has some complex things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he, he, you know, it was challenging uh, at parts for him, you mm-hmm. know, but what it did was it, um, it was a, a trigger for interaction. If yeah. that makes sense, it does. So yeah. he would he would read a few pages and then he would talk to me and would talk through what what he was reading. He'd be you know and then he was so excited because Space Marines turned up mm-hmm. and he wanted he wanted to talk to me about what Necrons were and and I don't mm-hmm. you know and um and, and we just basically used it more as a uh, almost like um an extra bit of lore that that he might have read in the Conquest magazine. Mm-hmm. He can then it's also like reading that so. Um, yeah, he, he was really good, really good. Probably, you know, eight to nine would be a good starting point. But um, yeah, he was ready for it. Enjoyed it. Awesome. And so as a parent, um, as someone who reads with his kids, I mean, I know you do a lot with your, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, are they quality? I mean, yeah, Black yeah. Library puts out great stuff. So I was dying yeah. to find out from someone who actually has children and who reads with them. I mean, you read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. This It slots in quality-wise, if not... Yeah, perfect. No awesome. problems whatsoever. Really nice. good. Really good. Um, yeah, look, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're obviously very, very aware of what some of the, the junior fiction and, and stuff oh, yeah. is that's out there. And um, there's not some there's some reasonably crappy ones. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this rates pretty well. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, we thankfully, uh, I teach primary school for those who don't know. And uh, we have quite a uh, an impressive school library. Uh, we are mm. um, well-funded which is not something you say often with a public primary school. Um, and so the, we have access to an incredible resource and li- of a library for our students to pull from. Um, but every now and then, even in that library, 
you know, kids pull out a book and bring it over. And I think it's because we've exposed them to good literature that, you know, yep. kids will come over to me, nine, 10 year old kids and hand me a book and say, Mr. Moore, this is rubbish. And I'm like, this can't argue terrible. with that. You know, <laughs> kids... but, but the thing is, it's great because they're, uh, they're able to read it yeah, and, and be able to critique it. Exactly. Critically <laughs> analyze it and say, I saw the end coming. They're just the, the, the verbs. They're not very strong. Uh, the adjective it's just the, they're just a little the adjectives are a bit flowery um well, you, i really I you're clearly really, doing your job yeah well, <laughs> when nine-year-olds start telling you that you're like either you i've taught you to be way too pedantic or i'm winning i can't decide anyway moving on um <laughs> yeah let's talk war games war games so all right it's a big deal this time of year this is sort of the halfway mark between CanCon uh, one year and CanCon the next. And of course, that means it's time for WinterCon. Now, WinterCon is sort of the testing ground for CanCon, uh, at least for mm. uh, the bolt action game. Now, this is a significant WinterCon because uh, Pete West, the TO with the mostest, um, has stepped down. So someone else will be taking the reins. And hopefully, uh, thankfully, or any other way, E. Uh, hopefully Pete's playing, um, so he'll have a chance to actually have some fun that isn't, you know, behind <laughs> the TO console. Um, Patch, you're going to WinterCon to play Bolt Action this year. Um, I know you've got some plans. You wanna you wanna talk about this? Because I know I know you've been uh, posting online and stirring the pot and winking and grinning. Mm. Talk to us, man. Lay it down. I do like to stir that positive pot. Yes, um, you do. Yeah, so Winnicon this year, it's it's a really great uh, new and interesting format, and it's going to be a rotating points value per game. Uh, there's only two points values, and it's 1,300 and 800 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you, you you know, the rules are you must take the same army, but your list can make up different units within the 800 and 1,300 points. Cool. Um, and so it's a really good way, I think, of shaking up, if you like, you know, what meta there is in bold action. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because as we know, some armies are exceptionally strong at low points level. Other armies are, uh, are stronger at high points level. So it could, could be a good way of uh, breaking things up. And also, potentially between games, you know, your mindset is a little bit different. So you're, you're not quite getting that run on. Yeah. Um, I really approve of this this system. I think it's going to be great. So, yes, I'm, I'm taking what I've termed as, or what I'm using is the home guard or dad's army uh list out of the the <clears throat> the ancient great bitten and commonwealth book <laughs> you Come on, it's, it's not that right. old mm-hmm. yeah seven years old eight years old mm-hmm. but um the list still stands up and uh so so i'm just going to leverage off off the home guard list and in that selector rather than use a generic mm-hmm. and um go with that because uh you know what home guard armies are just so rare Mm-hmm. Um, as look, most early war armies are pretty rare, let's yes. face it. Um, but home guard in itself is, is rarer still. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take home guard. That's cool, man. So mm. I can't ask you about your list because yeah, you as can. you say, well, it's a, ver- it changes. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. So oh, there's no secrets here. You know that for me. Yeah. Well, that's that's a one it's a wonderful thing about having you on patch because you know some people are like I'm not really comfortable talking about my list prior to the event and you're like let me tell you about what I'm gonna do buddy and I'm gonna do yeah. it to your face um, yeah. so 
give us some of the broad strokes because I know you've got a few, a few uh, I wouldn't say tricksy traps. I would more say you, you've thought about what goes in your list. You thought mm. about how you're possibly going to play it. And I know that you cater to the mission and your opponent. Um, and the, and I know you just from talking to you literally every day, there's a lot of variables that are involved. All of mm. that aside, what are some general, um, high points of lists yeah. that you're planning on taking? Yeah, yeah, great. Well, well, I'll speak to the, you know, the 1300 point list because that's the list that's padded out the most. And, the um, big kahuna. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I was inspired a fair bit by your, you know, uh, cast recently around the statistics mm. of CanCon. I really enjoyed that episode. I, I got a lot out of that and there were some really good surprises for me and some, um, mm. some nodding of heads and, you know, little bit of a <laughs> yes I know that you know uh, a sort of a, a a um a feel about it but but I sort of quite inspired by it and um and so I guess a high point I guess I'll start off by saying you know it, it wouldn't be in my mind a home guard army without an inexperienced captain yeah um now I'm running a single platoon at 1300 points ooh all right okay it's, Yes. And I'm thinking yes. early war, like that, that, yes. or typically those are larger armies um, yes, in one platoon. Fit, yep. I fit 17 order dice in a single platoon. <laughs> At 1300 <laughs> points. Yeah. I, this is starting to feel claustrophobic patch. I'm, the walls are coming in on me. Like, <laughs> stop it. I, I really tried my best to try and minimize the amount of dice, but, but. When you're dealing with early war, there's this very little that's that's expensive. Mm -hmm. And by using the home guard selector, I can only take one veteran unit. That's it. Oh. And that happens to be a um the next so I'll so call my, my captain. Mm -hmm. So so Lord Patchamus is the um <laughs> is the captain. He's an inexperienced uh nice. inexperienced old mate and, and he's gonna be having his crew of two blokes around with him. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I really wanted to put a captain in there because no one takes him. Right. Uh, except for me. Yeah, except for you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I'm probably the only player of cap No, no, I'm sure there's others, but but almost no one takes a captain, especially not in a single platoon list. Um and, and I'm gonna take one. Well, hold on. So, no one takes no one took one at CanCon this year, but you've no. taken one previously. So uh, I mean I, Well, I took one previously and came second. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, let's 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 not just skate by and say, Oh, you know, I'm sure other people this yeah. last year no one did. And to my knowledge, no one the year before did, but you. So um, yeah. I think that's a fair, I think you're allowed to throw out a little internet shade and say, I'm the guy who takes a captain. <laughs> at least in, at least here. And, and um, I just see so much value in them, you know, and, yeah. and I know other people don't, but that works into my favor as well, because mm -hmm. people are either terrified of them because they don't see them right. or they underestimate them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very rarely do people sort of um, weigh them up for their true worth, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm taking, you know, Lord Patchmas. He's going to roll out there, and then um, the next unit I'll talk to is the two compulsory units in the Home Guard selector. Mm -hmm. Now I have to take a Home Guard squad, right? It's part of the selector. Of the two compulsory infantry squads. One's um, regular, and one's um, the Home Guard. Now I'm just going full strength with the home guard section so they're just taking riflemen mm -hmm. uh, and so a, a squad of a squad of 10 is costing me 70 points um now they're a little bit better than inexperienced in the sense that they're green 
so they can be upgraded, you know, on that lucky roll. But um, they're my cricket team. So nice. that's the uh, the Australian Invitational cricket team. That's that's mm-hmm. currently in England, who just happened to get caught literally playing a game of cricket when the invasion occurs. So but they're in their bats. whites with, mm-hmm. yep, green baggies, and uh, and they're going to be defending the beaches along with the the rest of them. And then I've got um, the regular infantry squad. Now that's one of three full strength regular infantry squads that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. So um, that's ten man regular squads. Uh, I, look, you know. As solid a unit as you're going to get in the game, isn't it? Ten regular soldiers. Yeah, exactly. With with a light machine gun. <laughs> and I've yeah. got three squads of so thirty regular troops. They're just tar- they're just you know robust um, squads. There's nothing flash about them. No. Uh, but they'll hold the ground and uh, and they can do stuff if they need to. So yeah, that sort of makes up the um, that's four squads I've got. And then the fifth squad is um, led by the Prime Minister Churchill. What? Now he's Yep, yep. I've got the the Prime Minister Churchill's miniature yep. in his little little black hat and uh, and, and striped suit with his Tommy he's gun. Carrying, he's carrying a Tommy gun, so mm-hmm. he's leading uh, four commandos. Love it. So effectively, he's like, you know what? I'm not uh, he, as he was wont to do is is to get to the front line, mm-hmm. and um, so he skipped out on his minders and he's and he's got into a uh, universal carrier and he's scooting around the battlefield with four bodyguards of. Um, of commandos Love it. and he's just going to get into the thick of the action. Mm-hmm. So, so if you like, I've got a quite like commandos are pretty tough. Yes. And, uh, and I've got a little squad of five, of course, cause that's as much as I can go and still fit them in a universal carrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think that's got a little bit of teeth. Yes. You know, and then I've been able to just, of, of course the, the free forwarder observer and, um, as much as I kind of it grated on me a little bit to take it, um, it's pretty hard not to, you know, it's a mm-hmm. bit of a given. You got to kind of take it. Yeah. Uh, and so I've, I've whacked him in there and, um, I'm taking a medium machine gun. Love it. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Regular medium machine gun. I'm taking a, um, a boys, any tank rifle team mm-hmm. regular. I'm taking a medium mortar team. I'm taking a sniper team. I'm taking a light howitzer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like, you know, every normal thing that you would take, I've just been able to fit in. That's awesome. Um, but where my list has probably the best teeth is around the vehicles. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned the Bren carrier before, and I'm taking actually two of them, mm-hmm. right? And the intention is to have probably the um, uh, the anti-tank rifle and um, one of the officers, the regular officer in a, in a uh, universe, the other universal carrier. Yep. So they're going to be operating as a pair. And uh, now, hold on. Before you move on, I have a question about yeah. that. Now, as you know, I've ran, I've run Indian carriers for years. Big yes. fan. Um, Indian carriers are essentially just the wheeled version of universals. Now, yes. the basic universal transports that you are running, the carriers, are you running one forward-facing LMG and one um, pintle mount, or because I know correct, there yeah. are some weapon options. You can take an anti-tank rifle, forward-facing anti-tank rifle, mm-hmm. instead of the LMG. That's right. Uh, but no, I'm just going to take two LMGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. It, it, look, it, it packs a punch. It um, does. Yeah, I love them. You know, yeah, particularly if you're coming on from a flank and and you get that uh, universal carrier come on from the flank, it's able to do eight shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you work it well, you can get a squad or something in the open, point blank, eight shots, mm-hmm. and then your you know squads jump out. And they're able to sort of point blank 
unload their firearms into the into the squad as well. So and plus that universal carry then provides more of a support firing role with its single yes. LMG. Well, yeah. I always liked running two to three of them in a group um, yeah. and rolling up a flank and then split firing so that, mm. you know, they would tag team two to three units, you know, maybe two units where, yeah. you know, you have four dice going one direction, hitting one squad. Now, you're only going to get a couple hits, but you only need one hit to get that pin. And then the That's second right. and then, then the second machine gun goes to another squad. Meanwhile, the next transport up does the same thing. And then the third transport, all of a sudden, you have two squads um, that have two to three pins on them each, depending on how your dice go. And then, you know, sure, they can rally. Sure, they can do whatever else. But it means they're not as efficiently moving, firing, or, you know, doing what they're what your opponent wants them to do, you're, yeah. you're, you're putting the pressure on. That's, that's exactly right. And, and what's probably going to make that even more apparent is, is those two universal carriers will mm. always operate as a crew with an A9 cruiser. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you, if you recall, the A9 cruiser was a, a very, it was the Mark one A9 cruiser and it had the two turrets at the front that's with right. the MMGs. So it, it can rack out and uh, it can rack out with three MMGs. Love it. For 125 points. Love um, it. So, you know, it can come on the board on from the flank with two Bren carriers, and all of a sudden you've got three MMGs and four LMGs uh, plus whatever's in those universal carriers mm-hmm. as a force to deal with. So it's a little sort of armoured fist that the British can put in the field. Um, I would have loved to have been able to run my Vickers VC light tanks, and mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't want to go dual platoon. And and the only va- like I think the best value you can get from a Vickers VC with the light auto cannons is to have two of them. Yeah, you yep. don't want to pay so, them because yeah. they've only got a single firing platform. They don't have multiple. Right. Uh, and so you really want to double up by having that second one there. Uh, yeah, so I've got a little armored fist with three vehicles. And then I've um, the last vehicle I've put on there is what's going to hold my rear line, uh, my back line together, which is the armadillo. I was going to say, is it the armadillo per chance? Mm-hmm. Uh, please tell us mm-hmm. what this is because a lot of people don't know. Yep, yep. Okay, so um, there was some discussion about this and, and uh, I went to the TO and, and uh, I spoke – to him about that, about mm-hmm. what version of the rules do we use for the armadillo. Uh, and so for those who, who would be aware, there's an armadillo um, selector in the Great Britain book, the army mm-hmm. book. And it, it mounts um, two, twi- uh, two pintle-mounted LMGs uh, with 360-degree arcs, and you can buy a rear-facing heavy autocannon That's for right. It. And now that comes in at regular at 95 points. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Sea Lion book came out, they completely wiped that off and said, well, that doesn't exist. We're going to create our own. And they put a less than light anti-tank gun on it mm-hmm. and reduced, I think they put one LMG or something like that. But effectively, it made the armadillo completely pointless yeah. in my mind it was just it became it went from being a very very capable vehicle to being well this is just a joke yeah uh and so i had a chat and said well which version can i use um and we agreed that the campaign books for the most part are subservient to the army books agreed 
And so whatever rules in the army book is the one that stands. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, campaign books and Warlord has gone down a really uh, uh, yes. funny funny path sometimes around funsies and, yeah. and silly units, with mm-hmm. um, which really throws when you're trying to um, to go to events and, and where you're, you're matching all these up together outside of their theater-specific things, they, they tend not to work very well. So wait, you're um, telling me that that you're not you're you're not a hundred percent on the unit that came out of a book that had a squad of Boy Scouts on roller skates? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, that is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, discounted that. So that's okay. You know, and and, and people, um, and the thing is, look, if you really want to use the armadillo, um, this is not a unit that you can say, well, I'm in the Western Desert and I'm with my, you know, Eighth Army and there's right. an armadillo. <laughs> it's no. just not going. to. Like no one, everyone should call you on that, you know, because this vehicle was designed, um, you know, to supplement, um, the, the, the home guard, because as, as everyone would be aware, they lost most of their armored vehicles in France Mm -hmm. and it takes time to build that. So what's better than just saying, well, let's just put a concrete box on the back of a truck. Yeah. And that's literally what the armadillo is. Yeah, and uh, and the actual the the uh, heavy auto cannon was um, an auto cannon that was used during World War One um, to mount on you know some of their aircraft, mm-hmm. and so they literally just put this onto a um, onto the back of a truck, and, and it was used primarily as airfield defense. So if you can imagine the fear uh, at the time of gliders coming in, mm-hmm. you know things like that where they're coming in to take airfields, and this this these vehicles were really designed to move around and um, interact and encounter those sort of airborne assaults coming in um so i've included one of those in my list and i think it will be absolutely brutal um it is open topped oh yeah it, it, it would you know it's got its it's got its vulnerabilities mm-hmm. um but <laughs> you know half range for a heavy auto cannon is 38 inches why patch yes i do know that in fact yeah. i know that quite <laughs> yes. well as a man with it, several i i'm yes, picking up what it, you're putting down there you, you, you know that it's plus three pen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I do know this. So it's it's it can damage, you know, medium tanks at, at 38 inches from the front. Yeah, man. That's so cool. Yeah, it's pinning them every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's uh, – and, and, of course, HE, you know, and it gets two shots. Look, it's every, your heavy auto cannons are so ridiculously undercosted, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it at the end of version one, everyone was talking about like how they were suddenly discovered and we're going, we've been using these for a while. And they're, I mean, yeah. they were amazing. And then second ed came in and people talked about them for the first five minutes and then they kind of yeah. dropped out again. And sure. I mean, I know there's some people using them consistently, but mm. um, I mean, just looking at the CanCon numbers show, the light auto cannons getting a lot more love these days. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the light auto cannon has a bit more um, prevalence within some of those early war and mm-hmm. you know um, light vehicles, uh, even as they go through. But um, is it the triple two has a light auto cannon? It does. Is that right? You know, so you'll you'll get a few later one later versions come out, but the heavy auto cannon tend to be tend to be restricted to any aircraft guns you know from memory and a few and a few tanks a few vehicles but um, most of the time they seem to be 
you know, used in the anti-aircraft role. And um, they are yeah. any any aircraft guns are pretty much just no one takes any aircraft guns. <laughs> no one's taken aircraft, man. One aircraft was taken at Cancun. Yeah, that's true. And I, to, I mean, to be fair, I kind of am happy about that. But uh, mm. I, I mean, remember the olden days when um, excuse my dog just running by. Um, remember the olden days when trans I mean, observers were everywhere. I, I like Everywhere. where the, I like that it's not. I like that they're not now. Um, yeah. But it does mean that certain units that may have appeared on the board before aren't appearing as mm-hmm. much because people are trying to shift to face what people are taking. Um, I recently had some World War II stuff printed um, by the gentleman in the States that does my 3D printing um, because he prints in resin for me. And I got some awesome, rare... Um, World War II st- vehicles and pieces, um, and I mm. I got a couple of um, heavy auto cannons uh, printed up because I could, and they were there. They both is so no, um, they're the Soviet knockoff um, okay. version of Bofors. Uh, so the Soviets bought a few Bofors and then you know sort of <laughs> yeah uh, control C and then. Control yeah. V and Control V at their own version, um, yeah. as they were sort of want to do at that point because they needed, uh, they needed that. I mean, just kind of like they bought a Christie. Oh, was it a Christie tank? Where did the the yeah, running yeah, system yeah. for um, the fast tanks? Yeah, but yeah. Mm. so they kind of they bought one. Then all of a sudden, a couple of years, you know, a year later, all the Soviet tanks had those wheels, and they're like, "Wait a minute, those look familiar." Yeah. So uh, it, it's nice to have those there. Um, I just need to paint them and put them into my Soviet army, I think, because they were yeah. used. They were there. I mean, they were in the conflict. They were being used, and yet they don't very much appear on bolt-action tabletops. Yeah, I mean, controversially, uh, controversially I, I, I sort of think sometimes that, um, you know, with the rules that they may not be as good as what they could be mm. when some units are clearly not being fielded, you know, and that, you know, why is it that we never see this particular type of, of unit did, you know, when warlord uh, corrected with version two, did they go too far with one unit? Um, do they need to bring it back a little bit? Mm. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example where they've probably got it right. would be to say man pack flamethrowers, uh, yes. as you would be aware version one, Every army had as many man pack flamethrowers as they could possibly get their hands on because they were unit killers. Uh, they were guaranteed unit killers. Um, now, when I play in an event out of five games, three of those armies may have a flamethrower, a man portable flamethrower, mm-hmm. and only half the time will they actually work. But they're still being taken because when they do work, they're still devastating. Exactly. You know, so they've probably got it. They've probably got it right. Conversely, we look at aircraft and. And I know you sort of feel that they're at the right spot, but I, I kind of feel that if we're only seeing one aircraft out of 70 armies, I feel there is something there which is, is causing yeah. a lack of diversity mm-hmm. and that I think the main strength of bolt action is diversity in that you can take so many different units. But if people, if 69 of those 70 people feel that it's not even on their table as an option, maybe it needs to be tweaked back a little bit yeah. Uh, and so that it makes it more attractive because yeah. as you, as I've spoken about in depth previously, the worst thing that could ever happen to bolt action is you turn up to an event and there are 70 of the same unit, 
70 of the same armies yep. on the table because everyone's worked out that this is the army that works. Yeah, I mean, that's the death of many a game system when people figure out the efficiencies and they move on. Mm. Um, I listen to, and again, slight tangent here, but I listen to a lot of Star Wars Legion podcasts, and I think Legion's finally hit its stride and that there's enough variety that you yep. suddenly have... You know, diversity in leadership, which causes diversity in tactics, which d- causes diversity in unit selection. Um, and you're not always seeing the same three units and the same general leading the same army every mm. single time. That said, people are still using the language of efficiencies and they're still talking about what's the best unit and how do I yeah. maximize that in my list? Can I have three snipers? Can I have three blah, blah, blah? When you go, and of course, I'm talking Legion where you can have three snipers. But you think, okay, how about we talk about the synergies within our list? How about we talk about never tell me the odds? I mean, sure, you don't want to take things that aren't necessarily great, but in a game like Legion, where most of it is pretty damn well balanced, where's the rest of it? And, I mean, Bolt Action's a unique game in that it is, sure, there are the units that are great. There are units that are high performing for their points values um, that work well with other Mm. units that are just general all-arounders. Veteran units are always, infantry units are always going to be great. But there's, there's very few units that are just outright terrible. And if you build a force in bolt action, you can play it well. Yeah, everything. Like you can take a, you can take an army and if you're a skilled player you can do well with it no matter mm-hmm. what it is exactly yep. yep for sure i mean people joke about oh norwegians uh italians uh but you can <sighs> make a legit army out of all of those totally and people are like oh but you know the norwegians you only get like a medium machine gun and a light howitzer and a you know a medium order and a bunch of dudes with rifles uh yeah and turns out mm. you can win a game with that and I'm not saying so, you uh, can win a game with that out there. You can legit win if you are you mm. know what you're doing. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example, right? Now, today I was I was pointed to like um I occasionally get on the you know the bold action Reddit page. Mm. Oh, sub for Oh man, yep. Yeah, yeah. I just get on there occasionally and have a bit of a look and mm-hmm. you know interact a little bit. And uh, and some guy had asked about Australians. You know, oh, I want to build an Australian army. Where do I start? Are they any good? How do I, you know, I, I want to do it to compete against um, my mates, you know, Japanese. And, um, you know, one of the, the very first comment that comes on there was this guy who said, uh, well, for a start, don't use the Australian list. Throw it, you know, throw that out. Use a Commonwealth list. Wow. Um, throw some throw some Gurkhas in there and a Chaffee and 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 you'll start winning games. <laughs> and um, and I've gone. Uh, okay, you can do that. Mm, how about you no. can play the game? Mm-hmm. You can play the game however you want, but it's not you're not playing Australians. You know, you're playing British or mm-hmm. or US, really, aren't you? You're not you're not even getting close to playing Australians. Um, and and so. It's people not understanding. Well, uh, the comment that I got back was, you know, you, if you expect to pick up an Australian army out of the New Guinea book and play it like you would a European army of late war Germans or, mm-hmm. you know, the British or all the Americans, well, you're going to fail. 
because the strength in that list is not in the traditional way that people play their games, you know, by relying on a vehicle and relying on a few different things and some, like it's not. Um, you have to have a, have a look at what strength that army brings to the table. And out of all the armies available in bolt action, um, it is the premier unit for forward deployment. Yeah. Right? It is. You have to use that. So what, do you, what does that mean? Well, that means that I've got to play differently. I've got to, you know, own the center of the table every game. I put my I put my troops up there. I dig them in. I, I put them behind hard cover, you know, and I look at my strategies about how I'm going to do that. Now, now this gentleman was playing Japanese, and I and I are playing against the Japanese, and I suggested that what he does, for example, is is you know the strength in a Japanese list is the way it, you know, it charges forward, right? Mm. If you're not using Japanese, their banzai rule, you're not really using the strength of the Japanese list a lot. Right. So most Japanese players are going to banzai, right? They're going to charge forward. They want to get into close combat with you. So you develop a screen um, of, of troops at the 24-inch mark, and you start chipping away at them from the very first turn, right? You're putting, you're putting pins on them. I know right. pins don't matter too much, but you're still taking an occasional casualty. Pins matter. And then yep. Pins matter. And then, okay, then you get those guys to fall back because – uh, if you recall, one of the Australian special rules that you can take is is advance into ambush, but only towards your back line. That's right. So you can advance back into ambush and then and then get these guys at more favorable conditions. You're going to wear them down. But then you've got a solid screen behind, right, mm-hmm. of more regular infantry, and you've got that second screen to fall back to. Once the Japanese are drawn forward, you flank with some commandos. You know? And yeah. those guys will be coming in. You know, pack full SMGs and, and, you know, all the amazing stuff that commandos can bring to the table. And now all of a sudden your mate's Japanese force is caught in between, yeah. you know, some fairly staunch defenders and some really aggressive attackers. So so you sort of see there that you can take any list in bolt action, but you've got to look to the strength. You cannot pick up every army and say, I'm going to play this like my late war Germans. Exactly. And the mm. Japanese in particular do, don't necessarily play they're not as point and clicky as people often let on mm. um, ha- being an experienced Japanese player. Um, now, if you are playing the bamboo horde and you're just charging at people, that's one thing you're playing a very point and click yeah. army then, aren't you? Um, but yeah. if you're playing a regular rifleman based army or you're playing even militia and you're sort of hoarding and running at people. Now you can play that point and clicky, but the second that you want to start and people talk about how good down is in second edition, um, yeah. if you're going to, Oh, well, if the, if those British come in, then I'm going to go down. Okay, cool. Go down. Now you're yeah. not charging. Now you've lost your tactic. Now look, yeah. you've prevented them from doing what they want to do and you've succeeded. So, yeah. Yep, totally. Yeah, so it's just basically play to your strengths. Yeah. A lot of diversity out there and use it. Exactly. And again, build an army list around how you want to play. Have a plan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is why I think you do well with these armies that some people look at and scratch their head and go, I I don't get it. And you go, well, (laughs) I've thought about it for a little bit. And let me tell you, um, it's not the internet wisdom. Who would have thought an inexperienced French... Uh, army would come second at Cancon, right? Uh, look, man, I'm not surprised. I'm saying you know what you. <laughs> I know you know you know what you're doing. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, can we can we talk another game system that Please. I'm really um, enamored with at the moment? If it's the game system I'm also enamored with, and I think you're going to bring up, I am going to be uh, giving you an all uh, enthusiastic thumbs up. Are we talking about Rick's game? Yes, we are. Warlords yes, of Erewhon. Warlords of Erewhon. Yep, yep. I'm Talk a, to me, um, brother. Talk to me. So, <clears throat> look, it's in the same family as as Bolt Action, obviously. Um, but it does so many things better than Bolt Action. Ooh, that's those are controversial words. But yeah, uh, yeah, look, I'm, man, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Are. I love the I love 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 the Warlords of Erewhon rules. I love the way mm. the reaction system is fantastic. Um, mm. The way that it uses. Um, its stats uh, to boost uh, the toughness of troops and the accuracy of shooting um, and the way hand-to-hand works with the pins. Um, mm. it, 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 man, it feels good. It feels good it to does. play. Yeah, I, I'm, really, um, I'm really impressed with it. And, you know, we, we've, we've been sort of flirting with it a little bit in mm-hmm. my crew. You know, we've had a couple of games and we're, we're mucking around with lists. We sort of we sort of had this bit of a surge where we all got in and played a couple of games mm-hmm. and then we sort of withdrew uh, to basically reconsider our approach mm-hmm. and to um, and to start thinking about what armies we've got, start building armies up. Because almost all, or everyone went, all right, I'm going to build a new army now. Now yeah. that I get the mechanics, yeah. let's do something different, you know. <laughs> and so, so people are pulling out their old, you know, uh, war, uh, Warhammer fantasy armies mm-hmm. from 1982, you know, which are basically just a bit of lead, yes. semi-shaped like a figure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're pulling these out, dusting them off and going, oh, you know, I've got a whole army of dwarves here and, oh, these these goblins will fit and these barbarians coming from another system. And mm-hmm. um, it was quite, quite good and we're all quite enthused by it and I'm looking forward to getting some more games in. Hell yeah. Yeah, well, mm. um, if you don't mind me uh, talking shop for a second, I um, I played in a Warlords of Erewhon. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a tournament, and I'm not saying like it, we were we were purposefully not saying tournament pilgrim. We were playing an event. No, I mean it was mm. a friendly game day. Um, it was three organized games in one day, and it was run like a tournament. Like you would you the person mm. who won kept playing people who won and the people who lost played people who lost and it, there was you know there was a there was a tearing to it but at the end there was no podium there was no i don't even know who won the most games it was simply we're gonna by the way it wasn't me hashtag um but we sat <laughs> down and we played three good games and um it was 750 points so yes it was small um, but people are still figuring out. And we're also mm. in that phase where we were playing with armies that we currently, or sorry, we used to have. And people are now building up new forces. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to have uh, some point values that people could build to. Um, and the next event we're going to have, hopefully in about a month, is going to be 1,000 points. So it's it's just getting in and playing some games. And I... I mean, Rick, uh, if you were listening to the last podcast that Rick was yes, on, no, which was I, just a couple yeah. of episodes ago um, of Cast Dice, not the Warlord cast, although when he comes on to talk about Warlords of Erewhon on that show, that's that's great, too. Um, but Rick, um, you know, uh, and I were talking about my bizarre eyeball army, and um, yeah. I said, well, screw it. I'm going to bring it. And so I pulled it out. I dusted it off. 
And I spent about two weeks trying to figure out which of the lists fit that monstrosity. Um, yep. And I came upon Spectral Undead. I think that was the best, um, the, the best go. And I took a list that was five squads of five skeleton archers with a Spectral Undead rule. Um, which basically means they're sort of floaty ghosts that go through walls. But since yep. I have like floating eyeballs, that kind of fit. It was um, perfect. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was perfect. Um, poor Lee, the TO, was just looking at me and shivering every time that I pulled a model out. Um, but I had a necromancer as my general with a, a small guard squad. I paid to make him level two, and I gave him another spell. Yep. Um and then I had um, my flying tongues, which I made light spectral horsemen with just swords. Didn't have anything special on them. Um, and I had a chariot, um, which I gave the spectral rule tool as well. But I didn't tool it up. It just had scythes and the spectral rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to mess around with the idea of having a shooty heavy army in Warlords of Erewhon. Because previously yep. I've been playing a lot of Barbarians, a lot of Orcs. Um, I can I can talk to you about my Elves after this if you like. Yes, please. And we're going to talk about that in a sec. Um, so I wanted to try that um, because I'd listened to you talk about shooting armies. And I wanted to try it myself. And I also wanted to um, play around with the idea. Because when Rick first came on the Warlord cast forever ago to talk about this game, he said, now there's some people out there going to try and game the system um, to mm. summon armies. And I, I was looking at the spectral undead rule and I looked at the summoning spell and it says, you know, it can only work on squads of five or less and went, okay, well, I'm gonna have a bunch of squads of five. Um, and we'll see if I can get this off a couple times because my games previously in warlords of Erewhon, I'm lucky to get a spell off once. And I thought, okay, we'll have some fun. We'll see yep. what happens. And then in my first game, I was playing uh, our good friend Jonathan, who was on before, um, John, with the Chinese, uh, if you remember way back a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. we talked about um, his communist Chinese army in bolt action. Uh, yep. And, oh my, I feel so bad for John, because we started playing, and uh, first turn, Necromancer pointed to a squad and said, I'm going to try and make that, I'm going to summon some more. And I rolled like a three which means yeah. that he has to roll under that to dispel me. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm not going to bother. And so I was like, cool, I wonder how many I'll get. I'm a level two, and then you get D6 skeletons plus your level. And I rolled a six. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> boom, skeleton, my right? five all of a sudden bumped to 13. Next turn, yep. I do it again. This time, I roll a two to summon. This time, I roll a six again to summon. All of a sudden, my squads of five have you know, blown up to 13, which is huge in Warlords. Massive in that game. Because the biggest squad you can literally buy across the board is 10 in of any race. All of a sudden, I've got two squads of 13. My third turn, I roll a three to summon, and I get seven So all instead of eight. So all of a sudden, I have two squads of 13, a squad of 12. And then I'm just like, okay, this is ridiculous. And... Um, and so, and I don't want to make it sound like I steamrolled him. It was an incredibly tight game and I barely, I won because I, um, Hail Mary charged a squad of dwarves and he whiffed a roll and I, and I beat him and I won, Mm. but it was, it came down to that. Um, 
but it was an awesome game. It was so much fun. But just to yeah. watch his face when all of a sudden my army went bleh, and it was like, <laughs> and he was like, how many eyeballs do you have? And I went, this used to be a 40K army. I have a case full and I'll keep coming. And he was just like, yeah. stop it. Um, so we go to game two and I was kind of hoping, um, you know, that trend would continue. Um, and I did get, you know, one good summon off. Um, I think I got four more on a squad, at which point I don't think I got it off again in that game. Um, and I didn't win that game, but um, I played elves and got pretty handily shot off the board. Um, yes. Turns out elves shoot a lot better than skeletons, kids, just at home, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, even though I had a lot more, I, I was dumb when we deployed and I gave him defending. I didn't understand how to destroy the towers in the mission. Um, and I yeah. thought... He's just going to shoot them out, and I, so I'll be better off coming in and charging him. Turns out bows can't hurt the towers, and I didn't read that part of the rules until we were halfway through the game, at which point I went, should have done that the other way. Oops. Because yeah. um, we just hadn't been using those. I hadn't played that mission before. Um, and again, it comes with experience. Uh, and then mm. the third game, I played Lee Avery, um, the guy who was running it. Um, poorly had to play my eyeballs when he hates them. Um, hi Lee, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and we had a great game and I did, mm. again, I got a good summon off. I think I summoned another seven. So I had a squad jump up to 12, but then my, um, my necromancer misspe uh, you know, miscast and zapped himself off the table. Um, I mean, he could come back later, but he still zapped himself off the table and two of my squads, bolt action style never came in from reserve. Um, yeah. I was rolling horribly, but it, you know, all of the things that I love about bolt action, um, just about are in this game, the order mm -hmm. dice, um, mm. the, you know, some, the chance that sometimes can, things can swing in a, in a wacky and wild way. I, I love that. And I like how this game feels. I like how inclusive it is being a miniature agnostic game. Man, I can talk about this game all day, but I yeah. walked out of that event going, holy crap, I need to paint another six armies. Like, I've got yeah, a pile I of agree. fantasy armies, a bunch of half-finished things. I got to get this done. I got to get my my goblins done. Ugh. All right, I'm talking too much, Patch. Um, yep. What are your thoughts? Because I know you've uh, also played a bunch of games. You've been playing with some elves, and now you're uh, looking uh, at some other races. Yeah. Talk to us. Because you also well, had you ran into a unit that has been recently nerfed and is yeah. still really good. It, it, I'm quite scarred mm -hmm. from that. But effectively, look, I, I've been running, um, you know, a high elf, but there is no, look, an elf list is an elf list. That's right. the, the, the good thing about, you know, Warlords of Everyone mm -hmm. is that that doesn't really differentiate between that. So you can take whatever sort of elfish style army you like and fit it into the to the list. Mm -hmm. But my guys are high elves, right? You know, they're, they're blue and they're quite posh mm -hmm. and they're quite shooty right and um uh, the first game i played I, I played against some barbarians and i literally shot them off the table mm -hmm. you know i don't think there was much in the way of combat maybe a little bit but not very much you know because by the time they they sort of got to me it was it was all over yeah um the shooting was just exceptional uh and most of the units can shoot which i took you know i took mm -hmm. a couple of the little ballistas and um even the their elite the elf elite unit I can't remember what they're called but guard yep the the guard you know they can take long bows as well mm -hmm. um, and so almost everyone's throwing some arrows down range mm -hmm. um, what we evolved in later games is is people just started taking 
wizards, you know, and and taking the um the spell that protects from ranged weapons. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they get that spell off, they effectively create this bubble, which you know, depending on which spell you use and which level you are, depends on which coverage you have. And if you're good enough, you can pretty much keep your units in somewhat of this protective covering. And I ain't touching you. Yeah. I can't get through your shield, you know? Um, and so my entire army becomes a bit of a mute point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's got to shift to a more melee-focused army, which is not at strength. Uh, and so I found there was a bit of a like a hard counter to the shooting list. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was all about that wizard being able to... Um, to put that spell up with its first order dice, you know, or, or there are thereabouts before my armies can start shooting in. Yeah. And the unit that, um, really, really did me in. Um, and, and I found it to be a really unbalanced unit. And I know this is still early stages and there's tweaking that need to be done, but I just mm-hmm. felt that it was, it was too good. And, um, you know, with the list, uh, and as, as those who are aware of, of the army, you know, you've got a separate monsters thing where mm-hmm. effectively Rick, I think, just sort of went, people who want to play with monsters, they're super powerful, they mm-hmm. have multiple dice per monster, here's a separate list, um, but here's your normal list so you can run with units that are compatible and not overpowered. Totally. And um, what he's done is he's included the, the old gyrocopter, quite an iconic yes. unit from Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. in the dwarf list. And it has two activation dice uh, where, so if you've got a, an army, that has got seven units, you'll have eight dice. So this helicopter yeah. uh, gyrocopter can activate twice. And uh, in order to kill the gyrocopter, he's made it very difficult for you to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to get it on the ground and then you can charge it. Now, it didn't. What happened was the scenario is it's got an incredibly uh, great movement, and um, there was only sort of two things, two you know sets of units that can hurt it in my army, which was um, you know some archers and and the and the wizard, and uh, the archers shot it down, and I'm like, yes, look at that. You had to be miraculous rolls. I've mm-hmm. pinned it. It's it's brutal, you know. It didn't explode, but it certainly got. It had like four or five pins on it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just great. I've finally, I've been able to neutralize this, and I'm going to send some units in to charge on it. Mm. And, and my opponent pulled the next dice out, and he goes, uh, "I rally." Mm. And all of a sudden, that gyrocopter is back up in the air with four pins. So hold and on. I'm like, I, I've been yeah. thinking about this. So if yeah. if he rallied, isn't it still on the ground? No, because a rally will um, take all the pins away and put it back up in the air. Mm. So now I've got I've got no more units that can hurt it, and uh, it's back up in the air with no pins. Yeah. So very start of the next turn, it gets the first two dice, it moves forward, and it takes out uh, my archers and my mage. And it's now hovering uh, above my army with absolutely zero ability for my army to hurt it. Yeah. And we called the game off at that point for that particular one because there was absolutely no point because um, each unit he would be deleting two of my forces. Yeah. And with Warlord's Vera one, the loss of one squad is is brutal. You feel it, yeah. yeah. The loss of two squads a turn, your army will break very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, so there's some balancing that still needs to happen. Mm. And, and I would even be tempted to say... Even if it only had one order dice, it would be much more balanced. Yeah. 
Um, but so it'd be interesting to see what tweaking they've put into it. I'll have to do some work, but mm. um, it, it's just, you know, I thought, oh, I just don't know how to counter that. And I think a, a good game system and one that makes you want to come back is that is where you can sort of go, I got pants yes. this game. Mm-hmm. Like I got pantsed. I did everything wrong. Yes. But you know what? If I tweak my list, if I do this slightly different tactic, I'll go better next time. Yeah. And I know how to defeat it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of walked away from that game going, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. There's nothing currently I've got that could possibly, uh, you know, counter that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I had to sort of, you know, have a think about that and, and see. And, and I don't think, to be honest, I, I'd really want to play that particular unit again. Yeah. Because the dwarves, um, the dwarves are a very strong force. Yeah, they're sort of the army, at least locally, they're the army to beat. Um, I, I think that would be universal, mate, because they're just so resilient. Yeah. You know, it's like a yeah. wall of iron coming at you. I mean, they do, I mean, if you look, they, they do cost significantly more than other armies. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, balances, but you're right, it feels, they feel tough because mm. they are the only force in the game that is consistently strong and yeah. tough. Um, yeah. Sure, they're pointed for it. I mean, the uh, an average dwarf, if you look at Rick's pointing system, and we'll get to that in a minute, is literally twice the points as a basic human. Stats-wise, yeah. they're tw- literally twice. Mm. Um, but man, sometimes when you face those dwarves, you just feel like you're bouncing off. But yeah. then if you... I've Having made, because I have both dwarf and other lists... If I put them side by side, man, I'm getting a lot more bang for my buck. If I'm buying, I like to buy cheap. I like to build armies that have a lot of units and have some variety. If you're playing dwarves, you got a couple units of basic dwarves. You got maybe a unit of shooty dwarves. You got a lord, you got a mage. You're Mm. done. At 750, 800 points, that's it. It's an elite unit. Yeah. Yeah. But man, Sometimes it doesn't feel good when you hit them and you're going, how did I not beat that unit? It's because you got yeah. to team up on them. And so because I played two dwarf players on the weekend, I was very much into the, okay, how am I going to beat this? So mm. there would be a big unit of dwarves in front of me. I would shoot them twice with um, units sort of on the side, get the pins in um, because that factors into combat res and Definitely. then i would charge them with a unit of 12 skeletons with swords and be like because yeah. the archers come with swords and i was like fine go in bang and it you know it wasn't great combat results but by getting those pins in early um i was able to you know swing combat enough that i could put that hurt on and yeah. um yeah i mean you just you got to think about it a little bit more with dwarves don't you yeah, yeah, it's certainly not a, it's not an easy thing, and 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 I kind of felt uh, I was going to be on the back foot, particularly with that shooty army, and then the, and then a vet like my opponent's a very clever player, and and he was able just to put that umbrella up and just counter what I've, you know, my ability to soften them up before they even got to my line. So there was sort of that, yeah. <laughs> what have I got? Um, you know, yeah. my one trick pony has just been uh, just ridden off. Um, but can I tell you, <laughs> yeah. just two, two, um things that I really like about mm. the system, which is tweaked from the um the order dice system from from bolt action. Please go ahead. Two two actions which I really like. Um well the first one I'll talk about is uh the down. Right. 
Go ahead. Yeah. yeah it's so good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you'll have to correct me if I if I get this in wrong. But basically, you can flip an order dice if if I'm going to shoot at your unit, for example, right? You know, so my my fancy pantsy elves are going to shoot at a unit in the open, mm-hmm. and you go, I don't really. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah. I'm going to go down. Mm-hmm. So you can pull an order dice out and uh, put it into the down, right, for free. There's yes. no there's no order check for that. Correct. Um, now, in bolt action, what that would give you, so nothing's different yet, but right. what it would give you in bolt action is an extra plus two cover. Correct. Right? Minus two So to it's going to be harder, harder to hit you. Right. Yeah. What it does in Warlords of Erewhon is go, well, we're not going to give any like plus two to hit, we're going to make you hit them twice. That's right. right. So you might, uh, you know, throw six dice at them and you might hit on average, say four times. Yep. But then you've got to roll those four dice again. Right. So you have to re-roll hits. Yeah. You re-roll hits. So the average says you'll probably get two hits. Right. So it's reducing the hits on target, which I think is a, is a really good um, mechanic. It is. Uh, and, and the because the, everything comes with a negative, doesn't it? It does. Uh, and the negative is at the end of your turn, mm-hmm. if you want to put that dice back in the bag so that your unit can act in a different way next turn, you've got to pass a morale check. So good. Yeah. 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 So if you've managed to get – if I've managed to get a couple of pins on you from shooting – and you fail that morale check, well, you're staying down. That's and that, that dice is staying on the table. So you're out for two units, mm-hmm. uh, for two, for two, for two turns. turns. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the main one that I was, um, I was thinking about. And the next one that I really like is, is the run move. Right. Um, okay. Yes. Now are you, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Cause I want to add to that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I really like the run move, which is effectively just like a full sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so you have, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you effectively have, you know, a, a normal advance move or a run move, but you have this kind of like a, it's like a super run move, which allows you to go, some units to go like three times the distance, right? Mm, so, is that correct? So the way it works is... Um, now I'm talking basic units. There are units that go faster basic and slower units, yeah. and fast units, which do other things entirely. But in a basic unit, uh, models advance just like in bolt action, except they yeah. advance five inches. If you run, you can run twice your, um, walk. So you can run up to yep. 10 for a basic squad. No problems. That's it. You just run like normal, yeah. or you can do something called sprint. And if you yes. sprint, you can move three times your movement but you need to pass a test. Now, it's uh-huh. an agility test from memory. Now, if you yes, pass the agility test, um, no problems. You're good. So you need to roll under your agility. Now, if you fail that roll, though, um, you gain a pin. Now, again, pins count for combat resolution. So they're almost like wounds in combat allocation, in combat resolution. Yeah. So if you, and remember, you when you charge into combat, you're running. So if you sprint, if you go for the long bomb, um, Hail Mary-esque charge um, to get in there, and you charge you know, 14 inches to get into combat, in, for most forces in the game, you have about a 50% chance that you're going to be taking <clears throat> an extra pin. Yep. And that pin, again, counts for combat res. 
And if they shoot you coming in, that's another pin. So well, you could be all of a sudden on hitting them on four or less right? on a D10. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that really means that your your chances of doing much is is very minimal. So you've got to weigh it up. But I like what I like about it is that the ability to make that massive tactical move and mm-hmm. to all of a sudden shift. So it's not just two static lines facing each other. All of a sudden, one flank, which you've left exposed a little bit, has just ran 15 inches up the table. Yeah, exactly. I like that capability. So it can mm-hmm. shift and it can flow. And the other part about the run move is there's that special rule that if you had run on some units, then you get the first dice. Yeah, yeah. And now they have yeah. FAQ'd. One of the big FAQs was for units that have... Um, the fast rule. So it, if yeah. you have the fast rule, you have the ability to leave the run order on the table and run again. Um, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it was they FAQ'd that with a you know half a page of text for just that one rule. Um, so I need to reread it before I comment yeah. on how they've changed it. But I know it's been cleaned up considerably because um, people, you know, first first edition rule set. It's it's a great yeah. it's a great game. But if you're gonna nitty, nitpick a couple of things, one of the things was you know people could make an army that were all fast, and then they could just run the whole time, and they would get to activate a bunch of dice before their opponents got a chance to pull yeah. their first dice the out alpha of the strike. bag. Yeah. Right. And um, Rick immediately said, "Look, that's that's not how this was supposed to. This is not yep. how this was supposed to play out, guys." Um, and you know, it, leave it leave it to gamers to break break crap, but. Um, I think that's that's changed, um, and I know that's been um, reined in. I need to go back mm. and reread the exact FAQ. But how good is it um, that we have a game developer who, uh, and I know I said this on the last podcast, but I want to say it again. I think this is really important for Warlords of Erewhon because a lot of game companies, um, I mean, if you play bolt action, it's not as not as much the case at all but if Mm. you play games for you know warhammer especially in the olden days there was the idea of codex creep you would constantly try Mm. and you know encourage your customers to buy um the new book by making the models and them really good or powerful um and making you know the army of the week almost feeling um but all of that would be sales driven and i used to work in corporate sales for games workshop so i know what i'm talking about there um, now Rick isn't selling models. Rick isn't selling army books. Rick isn't selling almost anything. Um, so literally mm. this is a game that is designed to be, um, equal to be balanced. Now he's still working that out. Um, but Rick's an incredibly talented game designer. And what yeah. he's done is he's created a website thisgaminglife.uk and if you go to it he literally has posted every army list in the game and he's updated every single one of them and he's added samurai he's added lizardmen army lists that were not in the book and this week we got the point value calculator for warlords of erewhon he wow. literally put yeah. out you know put the, the the keys to the castle so to speak and he said, look, there are some armies that I cannot make because they will violate um, other companies' IP, <laughs> Games Workshop. 
Um, But let me give you the army building tools because I know some of you have armies that you desperately want to play. And I cannot make those armies. Um, But let me give you the tools. Or if you want to come up with your own thing, be as creative as you like. Here are the point values for every single statistic, for every single rule, for every single weapon, for anything in the game. You want to make a new race? No problem. Here it all is. And it's it's awesome. And I feel like the 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 I know we talk about the community of bolt action. I feel like the community for Warlord, I mean it's small, but people are, you know, People are you know, pretty committed and they're going, yeah, no, nah, this is great. We need to be careful yep. not to turn this into a min-maxing exercise. Um, mm, I, we're um, gamers, mate. You know, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. But people are saying, let's not, let's not try and break the crap out of this. Let's enjoy this game. Let's yep. savor it. Uh, and so I went out of my way to try and create, um, for example, I, I, I'm trying to come up with rules for Plague Demons, not to talk about any company's... Um, intellectual property, uh, but I came up with the idea of what you would, if you were looking at Games Workshop models, a Plague Bear. Um, and I came up with the idea of a model that has strength five, so yep. human strength, with a sword, so human strength, but with um, lower agility um, and resistance seven. So it's, mm. it's kind of slow. Um, it's... Oh, and is, in fact, I gave it the slow rule, so it moves one inch less than everything else, um, but has, is tough, but doesn't have armor, um, has, like, poison weapony rules, um, and I was basically able to recreate a Plague Bear. Now, you could do it a, a number of different ways, but I did that, and I posted it online, and it led to a really interesting conversation in the Facebook group of people mm. saying... Oh, is that too tough? Let's think about this. And then people were debating it because the um, I gave it the uh, regeneration rule, which is typically yeah. seen on trolls. Now, regeneration is great for regenerating wounds, but um, what people were arguing um, about why it isn't necessarily too powerful, which I thought was really neat, was you can take the hits from regeneration and you can regenerate them, but you still take the pins. And in this yep. game, pins are key. So it's a balancing factor. And people are like, if, if, if that wasn't there, this would probably be too tough. Is it legal? 100%. Mm. But people are having a debate of, is this cool? Would I like to play against it? And I think that's a really neat conversation to be having five minutes after Rick Priestley, the guy who invented 40K, gives you the Bible to make an army in his game. Yeah, he's, he's giving you the keys. So good. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's fantastic, I, and I, and it's really putting the ownership of the game back in the hands of the gamers. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's good that he's he's interacting with it, and and it's um, it's free. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can we complain about it? No. Like you know, if if we complain about it, will he give us our money back? <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's paying for this website out of his pocket. He's doing this. Yeah. This is his retirement project. He's having a f- yeah. he's having fun with it. Um, and he's still putting out new army lists. I mean, uh, I think a couple people locally were a little worried that if he gives us the army, the point value calculator, like that's it, he's done. But no, yeah. he's not. He's he's already said he's gonna um, do possibly a second lizard man list slash a second iteration of the lizard man list to um, to include some units that people desperately want um, that maybe they can't field at the moment. Um, yeah. 
and then he's talking about Ratman. Uh, I know there's been a lot of debate about demons of different religious varieties. I mean, the man's invested, and he's yeah. he's part of the Facebook group. I mean, it, it's awesome. It's it's a yeah. great game. It's a great community. Uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan. Sorry, yeah, guys. I think it's great. It's good. Good. Um, it's sort of ticking the box at the moment for my uh, fantasy army genre, mm-hmm. uh, and and so yeah, and, and I like the fact that uh, it's only twenty or thirty miniatures. Yeah. Right. Mm. So good. Mm. Yeah. I had a bit of a giggle. I, uh, I, I'm a bit AOS curious. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and I think once you get to a point, you know, you kind of like, well, everyone's playing it. It must be something really good about it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's lots of good things about AOS. So yes, I there hear. Is. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I just sort of asked a few questions and, um, you know, I've got these witch elves mm-hmm. and these are the really old witch elves and I painted a bunch of them up and I think they're fantastic. And I'm yep. like, maybe I can make some sort of like witch elf <laughs> army in AOS. And, uh, and some bloke goes, yeah, witch elves are fantastic. They're really good, but you're probably going to need about 120 of them. Yeah. And I've gone, I'm not really that AOS curious. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> kids, if you're paying attention at home, this is the man that since we started podcasting tonight, probably painted 10 models while we're talking. I'm just saying. <laughs> I have I have done all the skin tones on three witch elves, um, but do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's sort of wow, that's fantastic. But no, but but yeah. but by the thirty or fortieth witch elf, you know I'm not going to be wanting to paint much in the like like mm-hmm. that might just sort of blunt the the enthusiasm. Whereas a little bit. If, I, if I wanted to make a, a warlords of Erwin army and and one of the um I think sorry like I know we're sort of harping on it. We'll probably have to head off soon, but mm-hmm. um. One of the great things about Warlords of Erewhon is, is you can make a really themed force however you want to make it. Yes. And so I've I've created this force uh, and I've called it like, you know, the Defenders of Sherwood Deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what it is 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 an entirely um, like range style uh, force which is, is like, you know, Robin Hood and his merry band of, of men. But but a real sort of you know deep forest mix of humans and elves, uh, and so I've got you know I think about thirty miniatures so far painted in that you know nice greens and browns and mm-hmm. and that's going to be my my list and I've got some treemen and some various mm-hmm. other things I want to throw in, um, and that's where the real like the themes for your force are so open. That's right. There's no limitations on it. It's going to be I can use it as a human list. I can use it as an elf list. I could probably mix it around and maybe use it as a beastman list i'm not sure you know yeah. um there's options for it uh, and that's and that's what's really nice is, is your imagination can just explode you're not you're not on those railway lines of of forced um army themes yeah and that's kind of what i was i got into aos because a lot of my friends were getting back into it i tried to play really hard and i kept pulling out army lists and going cool i've got all these models all these models and mm-hmm. you know huge armies for for warhammer for um eighth edition which were big armies and then i pulled out the age of sigmar books and i was looking at them and i'm like okay this is like 60 percent of an army like and but huge chunks of it i couldn't use and i was like what the crap and then all of a sudden i get warlords going on and just just the first case i opened which was warriors of chaos opened it up holy crap 
Um, I've got at least six ways to play this army right now. And I've, yeah. you know, I've got a horde of barbarians. I've got a horde of horsemen. Um, I've got variations thereof. I've got, you know, elite um, berserker type models. I mean, just the variation and just uh, you need eight, hey, the fewer models, as you said. Yeah. But yeah. Like, like you, I've got an entire, entire dark elf army sitting mm-hmm. there and, um, Apparently it's split up, split up between like four or five different factions, right. and but you know you could and I was reading up about it. Oh, but you can mix them together if you stand on one leg and you know <laughs> put your finger in your ear. You might be able to move this here. And I'm like, but only I, on it, Tuesday, it, it, yeah. Like I really, I really want to, and, and yeah. I have no doubt that I will look into it more in the future. But but I'm quite intimidated by AOS at the moment, yeah. and um, and just you know. Uh, it's difficult for me to sort of commit to it uh, where I feel like I almost have to study it for a couple of months just to <laughs> feel confident about moving into it. Yeah. And there's it. I mean, it's got one of the biggest communities going at the moment. It's huge. It's massive. So many People, good things about it. Super passionate about it. Um, you know, the painting, the hobby standards to an incredible level. Um, people really getting into the gaming. I mean, just just the technology. I mean, people are streaming so many games, so many events. Um, just this la- past weekend, the Dwellers Below um, had their Lord of War event, and so uh, you know all those games were streamed and just yep. massive community outpouring for this game. I just wish I had one army I could play. <laughs> I know, I know. It's almost like I wish I, I, I almost like I feel like I might have missed the boat with it, yeah. And that I didn't get in at the ground level when it came in, and now I feel it might be too advanced. See, I tried um, to I, come in, and it was tough. Yeah, tough then too. Whereas man. I came in with with um, Warhammer Forty Thousand mm-hmm. when Eighth Edition started. Yeah. So I felt like I came in at an even level where everyone was uh, starting afresh, mm-hmm. and I've been able to learn the system as everyone else has learned it. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the difference. Then think, again, yeah. maybe we're just trying to play too many games. Bite your tongue. That is not the purpose <laughs> of this podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, I shouldn't have said that. No, play you're out. All the games. <laughs> on on that note, um, yep. patch. Uh, God, man, I'm sure we could do this for days. Literally, I'm sure we could just sit mm. here and uh, wax repsodical about all the games that we are loving playing at the moment. But, um, Patch, yeah. is there anything else you want to you wanna quickly say? Um, because I know our time's wrapping. I know you got to go. But is there anything else? We, have, we, uh, have we sort of have we gone around the horn, or is there anything else you want to bring up? No, I think I, I, I just hope that... Um, people enjoy you and I talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You and me both. Um, it, yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of forgot halfway along the lines that we're actually um, doing a cast. <laughs> so, what do you mean? Um, I hope, hope people don't find it too boring. Yeah, me too. Uh, literally, me too. Um, but it has been, <laughs> uh, it has, it has honestly been uh, a total pleasure just to sit down and to, just to to talk. I mean, again, we do it constantly, but it's it's through, you know, words. In order to uh, written word, it's amazing to actually sit down and you know get the nuance and the sarcasm and the laughing. Um, it's it's great to hear you laugh again, man. Because Agree. after Agree. all those years of podcasting, it's it's great to. Uh, it's just good to hear you, man. 
I'll do it again soon if you want. Please, come on back. Let's do it. Let's uh, play some more Arowan, and I'll play some more, and then we'll have lots to talk about. Great. Now, to quote our good friend Casey Pittman, I have to say that when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice are rolling hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope you are having fun. Ciao. Good night. Are gone and they're trapped by-